0: What would you like the power to
1: do? Mobile banking
0: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cavins.
0: All right. Would you look at that? We actually have a win to talk about today, Greg. I'm very excited about that. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. I actually hit my Patriots same game parlay on Sunday. I had uh, Zach Wilson under 175 and a half passing yards. Sneaky one here, Greg, sneaky one. Mac Jones over seven and a half rushing yards because I figured at least once or twice the Jets would kind of get the rush and he'd scramble. And I also had the under 35 and a half, I believe. So, bing, bang, boom, as Tommy Heinzen used to say. Wow, I had uh I had something
1: very similar. Let me find it real quick. Uh so I had I had the under, I had Zach Wilson under one seventy five point five, I had Mac Jones under two oh four point five, and I had Ooh. the Patriots money
0: line. So the Mac just under, just under the two oh five and a half. So uh, the Vikings screwed me on another parlay, but we won't get into that. All right, let's get into the headlines here for the Patriots before we break down what happened on Sunday against the Jets in Jersey. Um, Daniel Aquale, Greg, seems like he's going to be done for the season. Uh, Mike Reese had tweeted out earlier or posted, and I know you got some info here, but it it sounds like it's a torn biceps. Uh, He is going to be done for the season, if that's the case you would imagine. Uh, meanwhile Devon Gotchow, who also left the game early against the Jets on Sunday uh, he might not be out that long so what are you hearing about both guys
1: yeah so it looks like he's he's done for the year it looks like um, you know almost similar to the Marcus Jones injury uh, where Marcus Jones went on IR and I think they they fear that that's probably season ending but they're they're going to see you know what happens after the four weeks and uh Ekowale has the t- torn biceps, um, you know, not a huge loss for them. I mean, he's, you know, he's played a decent amount, but he's really just a role player for them is situational inside pass rusher. I think they have some options there. Godchow um, It looked bad on film. Um, he got sort of uh, watching the coaches film. He got sort of like twisted around and, you know, his ankle, got really torqued and, you know, you feared at the least it was a high ankle sprain. Um, but I'm told it it's not believed to be a high ankle sprain at this time. Um, he could miss this week. I, I do think he has a chance to play this week, but they, they don't believe it's going to be long term. Now, that's, that's a bigger injury. Um, in terms of depth on this team, with the decision to part ways with Carl Davis – um, after he had a bad summer, we talked about it at the time, they are very thin at interior run stuffer. Uh, basically, Lawrence Guy is the only guy left if Godchow can't go. Carl Davis is a possibility he's on the Seattle practice squad. I, I don't think the Patriots, from what I understand, are hot to, to sign him. Maybe they'll see how things go with Godchow. Um, they were just really disappointed in his summer um, that I don't think he reported in the, in the greatest shape and didn't play well in the practice field and so that sort of explains you know why they did that but I think you know in terms of Ekowale I mean what I would do you know I would give Dietrich Wise Ekowale's you know and Sam Roberts some sort of combination of that give give him Ekowale's sort of sub package interior uh rushes and and then I would put Keon White and I would give him Dietrich Wise's starting minutes um I don't know if they're going to do that,
0: but that's what I would do. I'd love to see more of Keon White. Uh, He seems every time he's out there, he seems to make at least two or three impact plays. And at a certain point you've got a guy who can really cause headaches for any offensive line. I'd love to see him get some more time. I'm not saying play him 60, 70% of the snaps, but uh, some more snaps would be nice for Keon White in my eyes. Uh, So we, we, I don't know how much you want to talk about this because it's been talked about a lot over the last couple of days, but if we didn't talk about it, then we're ignoring it. Mac Jones, sauce Gardner. Uh, everybody knows what happened third and short. You had the uh, tush push that didn't work out belly to belly suplex on Mac after he tries to go back after the jets, because I, they were taking some liberties I thought above the neck with Mac, which has been overlooked. So, you know, some, some to the face mask and neck, they were giving Mac the business. Mac tried to give him back the business. Mosley, Kurt Angle suplexes him. And then, of course, you have the whole Sauce gardener, Mac Jones thing where Mac looks like he's asking for help to get up. Sauce kind of slaps his hand away. Mac stands up. There's been 75 videos, different views of this. Certainly to my eyes, Greg, it looks like uh, Mac gave a little tap-tappy to the groin area, just a little – just a as Happy Gilmore, just a little tap, tappy, just, just a little tap, tap tappy, <laughs> mm-hmm. just just tap, tap it into the cup, um, and now this is a whole thing. Where Tom Palacero, I appreciate the work he does, but posting today that Mac's not going to get suspended, can we all calm down with that? But just your <laughs> your thoughts, your thoughts about everything involving Mac and the uh, the extracurricular activity that we saw on Sunday from him and that we've seen before, Greg. So in, in, in the grand scheme of things, am I all
1: that bothered by it? No, there's a lot of crap that goes on on the football field, um, especially in scrums. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, normally that's the big fellows inside the big uglies, um, uh, that it's, that it's a quarterback and that it's repeated. And I do think that Mac, you know, gave him a little cup check in this, um, you know, I don't love that. It's the quarterback. Um, and I don't like that. It's the Patriots quarterback. Um, you know, a stray play here, you know, going up cleats high. I, I get that. Hell, I used to do that in baseball. Um, you know, <laughs> once in a while, especially against somebody I didn't like, but you know, here's, here's, the, there's two things, um, that, that I think are pertinent to this. Number one, as a quarterback, uh, you you don't want to be getting this reputation because it's going to spread around the league. And now got, I'm worried about Mac taking some dirty shots. Um, yep. That's what I worry about most. Okay. And you know, let's contrast that to, if you watched the Netflix quarterback series, uh, I think it was episode three, you know, Patrick Mahomes talks about how he purposely goes out of his way to be nice to the pass rushers because he thinks that, you know, and there's a ton of footage saying like, Hey, good rush dog, like good play, good hit, like stuff like that where he even admitted that, you know, maybe they let up next time uh, on him and don't give him that extra shot. And I do think there's something to that. And I think Max taking the opposite approach and, and, and something bad could happen to him. Um, I'm not saying as a direct result of this but you know look if you, you know you pl- the, you play the jets twice a year they're gonna remember um you know along with other teams in the division you know what have you um and the other the other sort of thing that i'm uh worried about with this um sorry I was just looking for uh my point but um you know i i, I just the, here's the other thing and it's it, this is circumstantial, but I didn't like how Max's teammates reacted to the play. Um, now, it, there were extenuating circumstances on this play because it was short yardage. Really, when you look at it, four of the offensive linemen were like face down on the ground when a lot of this stuff was going on. There was a pile up because it was it was third and one the only offensive lineman that saw a lot of the extracurriculars was Antonio Tony And he's a rookie. He's not going to do anything. You know, when Mosley did the wrestling move, well, you know, you're the expert in this area. I'm not <laughs> on Mac Jones, like Devontae Parker initially like takes a couple of hard steps towards Mosley and then doesn't do anything. Um, I don't care what the circumstances are or what, I thought somebody needed to stick up for the quarterback there and it should have been Parker saw it all. He was right there. He should have done something. Somebody should have done something. Now, do I think it's, you know, am I going to take it to the sports talk level where, Oh, this is a sign that max teammates don't like him or don't have his back. No, because like I said, this was a different type of play. You know, the guys like David Andrews, if David Andrews knew what was going on, if he wasn't at the bottom of a pile, then I'm sure David Andrews would have done something. Trent Brown probably would have done something. Uh, Michael Wenu, I don't know. It's not really in his personality, but somebody would have done something. But, you know, you combine all those factors, it's a little worrisome, but, you know, do I think it's a big deal in the grand scheme scheme of things? No.
0: There's no doubt he's got a little dirty in his game, Mac. There's there's no doubt. Whether you want to say dirty or or cheap or smarminess or... A little Grayson Allen-ish. There's just there's something there. And, uh, you know, the old adage of if you go through a lot of roommates, it might not be the roommates that are the issue. It It's probably you. And Mac is the common denominator in all of these kind of extracurricular things that happen with him. And and he's had it with guys that don't necessarily have sketchy histories on their end. So I don't think there's any denying that Mac gets into it a little bit uh, post whistle at times. And whether it's competitiveness, fieriness, or just brattiness, I heard Zolak and Bertrand use that word earlier today, whatever it is, he's got some of that in him. And I agree with you. The, The biggest, I'm not really affected or impacted by that that much, but I am concerned about the reputation he now has, you know, Chris Long is out there posting on X about Mac being one of the top five dirty, dirtiest quarterbacks in the league. Darius Slay posted about it. Guys know, word gets around. And whether or not every single incident is Max' fault or he had intent every single time, that doesn't matter anymore because the book's almost out on him, right? Across the league. Mm-hmm. So I, I am concerned that that reputation will end up opening the door to somebody taking a shot at him uh, later on at some point. And, and that's not good. You don't need your quarterback. Quarterback already has a bullseye on him. You don't need any more of a bullseye. Uh let's let's move on to one more headline here before getting into the Jets game. Speaking of Mac, having a bullseye on him, uh he's been hit several times this year due to Cole Strange. And Cole Strange, to put it lightly, has struggled through his first couple of games here of the season. Greg, do, do you think it's time to bench Strange or, or would that be a little bit too reactionary right now?
1: Now, let me say off the top, I don't know what his health is and how it's being affected. We obviously know that he dealt with a knee injury from like the second day of camp. It held him out like forever. And he just came back, played his first game against the Dolphins. This was his second game. So I don't know where he is health-wise. All I can do, and what I always do on this podcast and whenever I talk, is just tell you what the film says. And what the film says right now is that Cole Strange is a liability for this team. Um, is, is he a huge liability? No. Um, he 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 certainly struggles against the Jets. He, uh, he like if if he never had to play the Jets again in his career, he might be an okay player. Um, <laughs> the Jets are really good. They really they really are, and we're going to get into that more when we talk about the offense against the Jets. But he is a liability at this point. Um, apparently, he was stretching on the sideline during the game after he was pulled for Antonio Mafi making it look like it was for injury. I think it was prefer, per, It was probably a combination with performance, but he's just not very good right now. Was Mafi a huge upgrade on Cole Strange in this game? Um, maybe. I mean, I only had him for one minus play, a run stuff. Um, you know, it was limited time. Now, Cole Strange, I had two knockdowns, a hurry, excuse me, two and a half knockdowns, a hurry, uh, two stuffs and another poor pass block where he just like whiffed, but luckily the ball came out um, early. So he he struggled. A lot of it was against Quinn and Williams. A lot of people struggle against Quinn and Williams, but I do think for at least right now, I think Antonio Mafi, their fifth round rookie, gives them a better chance uh, at that position at left guard than their first round pick from a couple of years ago. I mean, that's a scary proposition. But I think that's where they are right now. And, and here's what I see on film from, from Cole Strange. When you talk about interior, especially guards, interior offensive linemen, you know, really the best guys have an extremely low center of gravity. They're built low to the ground. It gives you leverage, it keeps you sturdy. Um, not so much with centers, but definitely with guards. I mean, you know, just think about, you know, Shaq Mason was here, Michael Wenu. You know, these are guys who were just, Anchored strong to the ground, and that gives you a chance to, you know, turn people and move and impose your will. With Cole Strange, and I was hoping it was gonna improve this year because he was a rookie coming from a small school. He was a little bit undersized, and it was definitely an issue last year. I was hoping we would see more improvement. I am not. Cole Strange's center of gravity gravity seems to be around his belly button. And that's a big issue when you're going against bigger, stronger, defensive interior guys and you know I think that Moffy Moffy is built low to the ground he's a lot like a Wenu, you know certainly not the athlete that Cole Strange is but at this point in time I don't know how much that matters I would rather have a guy who has a sturdier base and is better on those blocks as far as Cole Strange long term am I giving up on, on him at guard no maybe you give him another offseason to get stronger in the lower body see what happens do I think he's a tackle Could be. I I don't think that they can transform him there, uh, transition him there during the season this year. I've always felt, as we talked about when he was drafted, watching his college film, I always saw a center because of his athletic ability and he's light on his feet. And at center, you don't have to be quite as anchored to the ground because you don't don't get as many big one-on-one blocks as more like angle blocks inside. So bottom line is, Do I think Cole Strange needs to be uh, put on the bench for a fifth-round rookie? Yeah, I do.
0: Woof. Um, Here's what I'll say about Cole Strange. Unless within the next year or so, he becomes a a top-flight guard, or he moves to tackle and ends up being a pretty damn good tackle, or gets moved to center and ends up being an elite center They whiffed on this pick badly. I don't need to relive the conversation that Greg and I had over and over and over again at the time of the draft when Strange was picked in the first round. The biggest beef was you don't pick a guard in the first round unless you think that guy can be all world. Quentin Nelson, Zach Martin, one of those dudes. When you Mm -hmm. look at him and you go, oh, 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 that that guy is just ridiculously good. Logan Mankins? Logan Mankins? That's when you draft a dude in the first round. If you think he has elite talent at that position, not not really good, not not, you know, top tier, I'm talking the elite of the elite is when you pull the trigger in the first round on that position. And if this guy, and again, health we don't know, but if this guy just can't cut it to the point where he's going to have to sit down for a fifth round guard, That tells you right there, doesn't it? If you're sitting him for a fifth round guard, it tells you you could have gotten a guard as good as Cole Strange in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Especially when we've seen it in New England time and time again. So, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. And he has to be better. And I understand that and Williams is one of the best in the game at what he does. But again, if you're using the pick you used on Cole Strange, he needs to be as good as Williams at his position. He can't be just bowled over and destroyed when he plays top interior defensive lineman. That's the very point why you draft the guy where you drafted him. So when you go against monsters like Quinn and Williams or Aaron Donald, that you have at least a chance on the left side of your interior. It's not good enough. It's bad. Snap into
1: action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's two hundred dollars in bonus bets, win or lose. I love those little suckers, those little bonus bets. It's like free money. If you've yeah. been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over/unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com/boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. Twenty-one plus and present in Mass. Hope is here. First online real wager only ten dollars first deposit required bonus issued at non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire 7 days after receipt restrictions apply see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24/7 support play it smart from the start gamesense.ma.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234
0: all right greg let's move to the offense uh, I, I was reading your your notes today and you might have an unpopular take about this Shocking. offense what <laughs> what you, you uh what you think of that side of the ball on sunday when you watch the film
1: it's it's funny like you know when i have an unpopular opinion because i stay true to the film that's negative on the patriots everybody you know calls me negative and all this stuff but now yes. i'm going to give this take and everyone's no one's going to have an issue with it because it's a positive take about the patriots my take on the Patriots offense after watching them against the jets is that I think they were making progress. I thought this was a step forward for this offense. What are you talking about? Badad? They only got 15 <laughs> points. They couldn't do jack crap in the second half. They punted like six times. What are you talking about? You freaking idiot. Like I, I understand, but I'm just, I'm just telling There's a couple of things that make me think this. Number one is I don't think people understand how good the jets defense is. It's really, really good. I mean, we talked about it coming in their defensive line, their linebackers are really good. The cornerbacks are really good. Uh, Whitehead. The safety is really good. Like it is, it's tough sledding. Um, You know, now did the Cowboys shred it the week before? Yeah. But again, that's, it's a, it's an abnormal opponent. Those, those things happen. Um, You know, when you don't, no teams that well. And, and look, you know, the Cowboys had a day, you know, what do you want? Sometimes you're just on the jets are really, really good. Um, So that's number one. So, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be tough sledding. Um, Number two, I thought, especially in the second half, I thought the offensive line started to get some movement in the running game. They started moving the line of scrimmage, which is, you know, when you're watching on the coach's film, you know, you can see it as clear as day. You could see the uniforms pushing, pushing forward. And I saw that more and more, certainly more than at any point so far this season. And to do that against this jets defensive line, even though, you know, some of it was when Quentin Williams was getting a breather, um, but I do think that was there on film. And so that was good. You saw some of the the, the running game get going with Ezekiel Elliott at times, even with Ramondre Stevenson. Um, so that was good. I think that uh, they are gaining more confidence in the offensive line. So we saw them go under center more. Uh, we saw play action come in. The 58-yarder, I think both Farrell Brown um, catches uh, came from play action. So I think that's a key for for this team and now you know look are are still things um off especially in the passing game and you know some of the play calls and things like that yeah you know let's also and and, you know I know they didn't penetrate like the Jets 29 yard line the whole game again again look at the opponent um we're going to do the same sort of thing when we talk about the defense um so I think we're looking at apples and apples here, but I, I do think that against lesser defenses against lesser fronts, I think they're going to be able to impose their will more in the running game. I think it's going to open up play action. Uh, there's a lot to a lot of work to do as far as sorting out who's going to do what in the passing game and what Mac trusts and what their bread and butters are going to be. They're still figuring that out. It's a little slow for me, but uh, to me, there was little doubt watching the film by the end of the game, even though the results weren't there. And remember, they should probably should have had another six points if Joe Cardona could snap the ball. Um, <laughs> you know, the, I, I, this was a step forward for me. I think, I, no, I don't think, I know they are making progress as an offense.
0: Yeah, we, we can't sit back and say, oh, well, they only scored 13 offensive points against the Jets when we all spent last week talking about how, Good, this Jets defense was. Nobody anticipated them to put up, you know, 20 plus points against this defense. I actually thought, Greg, they moved the ball much better in the first half than I ever thought they would be able to move the ball against that defense. Mm -hmm. They moved it pretty well. They had over 200 yards of offense in the first half. Given the conditions, given the defense, I, I thought that was good. And I thought that was a positive step, like you're saying. Really, just to boil it down, and it, We're going to get into some other issues in a minute, but offensive line to me was the biggest issue the first two weeks. And I don't think it's crazy that the offensive line played a little bit better. Your offense played a little bit better. For the first time all year, you had your top four linemen out there playing together. So I I know people kind of, their eyes glaze over when Greg gets into the nitty gritty sometimes talking about offensive line play, but it's crucial. And it's really tough to run consistent offense when your quarterback's running for his life and your running backs can't find any room to run the damn ball. So offensive line played better, offense played better. Uh, Let's get to uh, the passing offense, Greg. What's the biggest problem that you see? The biggest issue that I see is that um, they just
1: don't know you know the roles that certain people should be in. I mean, you know, let's take for example the two the two Juju Smith Schuster throws on third down. Um, this is Juju lining up sort of inside, and these these routes going outside the numbers. The combination of Mac Jones and Juju Smith Schuster working outside the numbers is just it's not good. Uh, we just know this. There's enough evidence yeah. from both guys. So it's not a high percentage play. Now, on both of those plays, I think that Mac was right. I thought the Mac I thought that Mac threw good balls on both of those. It's just like Juju's gotta figure out for A, either Juju's gotta figure out who he is at this point, which is basically a cashed uh you know, outside the numbers receiver, or the Patriots need to not put him in that position. Um, you know, so should should Juju be Should Juju be running those routes? No. Do who should be running those routes? I I don't know. I don't think they have a guy. I mean, I, you know, what's interesting is talking to people around the team and we talk about the whole Myers debate. And I think there's no doubt in my mind that if, if they brought in Deandre Hopkins or somebody an upgrade on the outside and kept Jacoby Myers, do I think this team has a legit shot at being three and Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, But they made these choices. And from what I understand, Juju Smith-Schuster wasn't the Jacoby Myers replacement. And so far, the way they've used him, you see that. The the Myers replacement was Mike Gesicki, which just, it furthers the point of, does do the people in charge of Patriots personnel, specifically Bill Belichick, do they know what they're doing with offense? I mean, I think you know, you look at their defense and, and you could pick it. All right. This guy was picked to do this role and he knows what to do. And, and then, you know, offense, it's apparent that nobody knows what anybody is good at. And it looks like they didn't have a plan coming into this season. Like this, we're signing this guy and this is what he's going to do. And this guy is going to do that. Like, it's just, they just threw some average bodies and they said, "Well, well, we'll figure it out later. and, to this point, they haven't figured it out. So, you know, back to those throws, like Juju is is going outside and he thinks he has a step on the cornerback thinking like, I don't know, it's the Juju of five years ago that he can beat <laughs> this guy up the sideline. He's not that guy anymore. And Mac knows that. And Mac says, all right, well, just, just like Jacoby would do. All right, work your leverage, like press the issue up the field and then break off real quick. Boom, back shoulder. We got a conversion. We're moving. That's the way Mac threw the ball. I thought they were, I thought they were correct. And so there's just a lot of that on film. You know, do I I blame Mac for the throw um to Demario Douglas? It looked like Mac sort of split it between Gasicki and Demario Douglas but DeMario had a step and Mac threw it off his back shoulder and threw it crappy. His footwork was bad. Like that, a chance to be a touchdown. And I don't know, we just kind of half-assed it. He does that at times, you know, which I don't like, but you know, the, the big thing. Oh, and the other thing with Juju and Mac and talking to people around the team, because I asked them, I'm like, do these guys practice together? They don't look like they practice together at all. And I got the answer I got was they practice together sometimes. I mean, you know, I think that has to do with Juju's <laughs> what health. What the hell? I mean, you know, how are you expected to have a precision passing game? The game is on the line. You have a quarterback and wide receiver who are working together and they need to be they need to know each other like the back of their hand and they don't. They look like strangers. Why? Because they don't practice that much
0: together. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing here. Sounds messy. Uh look, I just He can't play 74% of the snaps. Juju can't play him that much. You you can't play him 74% of the snaps and play pop Douglas 17 snaps on the day. You just, you can't, you can't, he is, he is detrimental to, to this offensive operation right now. And until you figure out what routes he runs the best and limit him to those routes and take some of those snaps away and give those to other guys it's just, you're, you're banging your head up against the wall. And I wonder, I I said this on my pod yesterday. I do honestly question again, Nick cattle show. If you want to check it out, I do question is the 74% of the snaps thing, part of bill Belichick trying to justify, Hey, I, I brought the right guy in. Is the head coach being stubborn is the staff being stubborn because they paid the money to juju. He was the quote unquote, prized free agent in the offense in the off season and everybody sees that he's not quite with the program yet. And hopefully maybe in a few weeks, he will be, maybe this thing will turn around. I certainly hope so, but there's no evidence that he deserves 75% of the snaps unless Belichick is trying to prove to the world that he was right on this guy. And I hope that, you know, at some point the coach says, okay, I I can no longer believe that this is Juju of five or six years ago, I have to go off of what we're seeing right now. And I've got to get the guys on the field that can actually help us. And it's, it's just, and Gasicki's another one. Yeah. Everybody, you know, Greg, you, you've said it. I believe Evan Lazar has said it, uh, you know, Phil Perry, guys that look at the film have said, you know, Gasicki's a pretty good route runner and Mm -hmm. they should be using him more. And it's just like you said, what are we doing? I I don't know. Uh, Overall, how'd you think Mac did? Uh overall I thought he did pretty well. Again, I
1: think for the course of the game I thought he played winning football. I thought his first half was way better than his second half, but I only had him for two minus plays in the game. I had him for six plus plays um in the game. There was a third down to Hunter Henry. Uh that was late in the second half. I didn't like the underthrow to DeMario Douglas as as we talked about. So You know, I think he, I think he did fine. It's just, you know, there's just no, there's no confidence in, you know, exactly what they need to do to, and you know, this is on Bill O'Brien. I mean, Bill O'Brien, it it is just three games, but in short order, like he needs to figure out exactly what everybody's good at, what, what everybody can't do. And then he's got to craft a game plan for that. They have to put their players in, in position to succeed more. I mean, You know, Devontae Parker, could you tell he was even on the field in this game? I mean, you know, it's just, you know, Gasecki is underutilized. um, You know, that they're putting Farrow Brown on the field because the other two tight ends can't block. I mean, you know, it was a nice play, a coverage bust by the Jets. But, um, you know, 13 personnel, is that, you know, really going to be, you know, what they're going to be doing? It's just they need – they obviously don't have an identity. Like I said earlier, I think – what we saw out of the offensive line will give them a step forward into figuring out their identity, which I do think is a is a power running team, you know, off of play action, and uh, you know, hopefully that gets better. I mean, on the running backs, no question that Zeke was way better than uh, Ramondre Stevenson in this game. Um, I think that I think that Stevenson is struggling with uh, the lack of volume. I, I don't think they're doing him any uh, any great benefit. Of, uh, you know Stevenson starts. Then basically they flip flop drives. Even the second drive of the game, I think they need to give Stevenson the first two drives of the game. Let he, he's obviously a volume rhythm type of guy at this point, and they need to get him on track. Now I know Zeke was brought here with the goal of keeping Stevenson fresh for the end of games, to finish off games, to come back. Let's. We should also mention. They still don't have a third down back. Um, you know, when we talk about this whole grand scream of things with the with the passing offense, I mean, Ty Montgomery, all I see him doing is rushing on the edge and field goals. Like, is that what he's here for? Uh so uh, you know, things to sort out of running back as well.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not panicked about Stevenson yet. There, I'd say there's a slight concern, but I think he'll be okay. There's, I mentioned this after week one. There's some tap dancing happening. I think he's kind of he's waiting for his blocks. He's a Le'Veon Bell guy. Uh, I think there's some, you know, he's trying to be patient, but at a certain point, patience turns into like indecisiveness, and there's just some hesitancy and tap dancing from him, which isn't helping. The yards after contact numbers are way down earlier this year compared to last year. Is that because like you said, the bus isn't revving up enough and he's not getting enough touches early on. He was handled differently during camp. We all thought that was because they were trying to manage his, you know, manage his touches and, and take care of his body. Was there something else? I I don't know. He's not on the injury report, but we can manipulate that as we know. So is there something bugging him slightly? He, He hasn't been the same guy. And it's kind of crazy, you know, the offense took a step forward, but I, I truly believe people, if we look at it from 30,000 feet, I posted earlier today at Nick C radio on Twitter, who does Matt go to on third down and, and compare it to pretty much 75% of the AFC quarterbacks in those teams, who do they have to go to go team by team? Mahomes has Kelsey Burrow has chase on and on and on. Herbert has Keenan Allen. Tua has two guys that he can go to Uh, this team right now on third down. It's like, okay, Hunter Henry, maybe Uh, Juju. If he figures out what route he's running and Kendrick Bourne, if he runs the right route, Uh, there's no third down back. That's like you said, Greg, I mean, Ramondre's played that role in, in the past and he's done a good job of receiving, but he drops a football on Sunday. And now you're concerned about that. The, your best offensive player before the season kicked off was supposed to be Ramondre Stevenson. So think about all the other issues we're seeing, and then your best offensive player has stumbled out of the blocks. Mm-hmm. So to go along with the offensive line. All right, let's jump to the defense quickly. Uh, can you take anything away from this game? I mean, we all know Zach Wilson sucks, but can, can you take away anything?
1: Not really. I mean, no. I, It's uh, the Patriots played very aggressive um on defense and you know they I mean even Steve Belichick he blitzed like 34 percent of the time which is like absurd for the Patriots I mean I think against the Dolphins and the uh, the Eagles I think they might have blitzed like 10 percent of the time maybe um you know I I compare it to uh you know me playing basketball against fourth graders like you know I'm like Shaq out there you know because I know they're not going to do anything I can block every <laughs> shot I mean you know when you know that you're not going to get burned by the quarterback Um, and and, you know a little bit of credit to the Patriots the throwing I mean they threw all sorts of different pressures at him early you know bringing an extra guy zone drops like you know all sorts of stuff different coverages I mean it was good but I mean Zach Wilson just there were so many plays out there that he could have made in the game smarter plays and he's just he's he's not even close to that you know at, at at this point and so uh, you know, tough to take anything away from the defense. I mean, they executed, um, did a really nice job against the, the running game. You know, I don't know what's up with their running backs. I mean, certainly Dalvin Cook looks cashed at this point. Um, you know, Brees Hall didn't look great. Uh, you know, they, they have a lot of offensive line, you know, issues with, with injuries. They had to switch people around. Beckton was bad at left tackle. They had to move Vera Tucker to right tackle. The rookie, uh, Tipman had to play right guard. He blew a block that was pretty big in this game. So, you know, the Patriots did what they should have done. They should have, you know, beat up a weak, uh, offensive line and a weak-minded quarterback. And, and that's what they, that's what they did. Now, you know, I will say, uh, even though it's tough to tell in this game, um, because of the quarterback, but. Christian Gonzalez looks really good. You know, they, a, a better quarterback makes some plays against him in this game, like, you know, and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, But like we said last week, his coverage ability is real. I mean, it is, it's sticky. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's as good as I've seen around here. Certainly since Stefan Gilmore, I mean, I would put him, you know, it's like, it's like Revis, Gilmore and Christian Gonzalez. I mean, he makes J.C. Jackson and Malcolm Butler look like, uh, you know, pr- the practice squad guys that they were or undrafted guys that they were. I mean, he's so far in a way better than them as far as a man cover, and I think you could see a certain point in time where he can be in a- on an island with guys, and yeah. it might even be at some point this season. Um, you know, they mix and match, so it's you know, you can't just take away what they did against, you can't say A.J. Brown and then Tyreek Hill and then Garrett Wilson. There, there are a lot of circumstances at play, including, you know, help and changing coverages and stuff like that. But the bottom line is his coverage ability is excellent. And for three games in his career, into his career, it's absurd. And
0: so that is for real. To put it in perspective too, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Garrett Wilson, it's not like he's doing this against the Scrobinis of the world. He's been thrown into the deep end and he's already looking the part. So the, the level of opponent matters. And I, I, if you want to believe PFF grades, I know some people hate them. Some people are, but if you go by PFF, he is the number one graded first round rookie so far out of that class out of the first round he is the number one graded guy and he's also the fifth highest graded cornerback in the NFL right now and so to to look at even if you don't love PFF okay he might not be fifth but he's he's been really good <laughs> and Greg watches the film and Greg's telling you he's been really good and again the level of talent he's gone against that that's Patriots fans should be very excited about Christian Gonzalez. All right, before we get to a three up, three down, a couple things, check us out over at BSJ, 50 bucks for the year. Uh, Greg and Mike Giardi doing some great work on the Patriots. Uh, They have all the film stuff breaking down as well. I I thought Giardi had a good post. I think it was yesterday uh, that, you know, Sauce Gardner and Mac Jones, he had some film on this. Before the whole cup check incident, there was some stuff going on between those two guys earlier in the game. So, Uh, Mike's looking at things. He's watching film. And of course, Greg's on it as well. And as always, I want to remind you that the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering part of the CLNS Media Network. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. All right, lightning version of this, Greg. Three up for you from the game on Sunday.
1: Uh, Christian Barmore. I thought he was excellent. He had to step up with the injuries on the inside. And I, I thought he was really good in this game. I didn't have have him for any minus plays. I had him for about six impactful plays in the game. Uh, Juwan Bentley, uh, you know, again, do I think, I think this was indicative of the Patriots able to being able to pin their ears back, but I thought he did a really nice game breaking through in the running game um, and, and really being a key uh, to stopping that. Like we saw against the Eagles and um, David Andrews, I thought was excellent in this game, a clean sheet for him um you know plenty of guys that you could put on you know the up list you know pharaoh brown with the two touchdowns um you know judon had a great game wise had a really good game uh certainly zeke elliott you could put on the list um you know he had a really good game but those are my top three
0: i had zeke on my list trent brown i, I thought he came back and played really well yep pretty good uh bryce Baringer. He got uh, four of his punts inside the twenty. He wasn't perfect, but when you get four inside the twenty, pretty, pretty, pretty good. Three down. Joe Cardona. I mean, he's the second
1: highest paid long stapper in the league. Uh, This was a rock fight. I mean, in his two snap, two high snaps on long field goals, cost the Patriots six points. That's why they paid him. That's why he's here. He's got to do his job. If they would have lost that game on that hail mary. You would have looked at well, Belichick's decision on fourth and one and the Joe, Joe Cardona, two high snaps. It has to be a lot better than that. Uh, Cole Strange, deserved to be benched in this game. Like we said, I don't know where he is health-wise, but on film, it's not good enough. He needs to be a lot better. I do think that he should be benched for Antonio Mafi at least for this week, maybe take a step back. And my third down was Juju. I, I just, you know, I, I don't... He's just—I have three minus routes for him. Uh, he had a that stupid penalty in the game. Uh, you're just not really getting anything
0: out of him. Yeah, blindside block was idiotic. Juju's on the list. Cardona's on the list. I'll put Ramondre on there as well. The big drop early on in the game killed the drive. Uh, not not running as well as we documented earlier in the in the podcast. As far as the fourth down decision. We don't have time to get into that, but I will say uh, I dive into that on the Nick Cattle show, that podcast that I'm doing. And I have some numbers for people. My whole thing is Greg, again, we don't need to get deep into this or into this at all right now, but Belichick's coaching scared and yep. he's, As he's for coached. A years. Yeah. He's coached scared. If, if you look at certain metrics from Aaron Schatz, formerly mm-hmm. of football outsiders, he's coached this way since 2012. It's not a Brady thing. It's not a fourth and two thing against Indy. He's been this way for a while. And according to one of the metrics, um, again from Shatz, who Greg, you know, really, really, really likes his work, Belichick was the second least aggressive head coach in the league last year. The least aggressive was Robert Sala, who has Zach Wilson at quarterback a year ago. And when you when you coach, not you know, to, to not lose, when you when you coach scared, that's how a game like Sunday that the Patriots dominated, that's why it's a field goal game with minutes to go. That's part of the reason. And that that's bugging me. So if you want to check that out again, I dive really deep into that on the Nick Cattle Show. That'll do it for us today, though. Uh, Greg's going to run to Felgrim Maz. I'm sure he looks forward to those two hours. Uh, and coming up later in the week, we'll get you ready for the Cowboys matchup on Sunday. Until then, he's Greg. i Nick. Be well.